right, guys. Well, good morning again. If I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and we pastor here. I'm excited for this morning. And um, before we start the message, just a couple uh, reminders or announcements. So uh, Maggie mentioned this at the very beginning of the service, but on Tuesday, we are doing a little day of prayer and fasting, and we do this once a month, uh, the last Tuesday of every month, and would highly encourage you to consider uh, joining us. It'll be, it's perfect timing for the message I'm going to share a little bit about prayer and the power of us uh, contending um, for what God wants to do for his will, for his purposes, and so I would uh, love for you guys to join us uh, this Tuesday. And also, um, we're going to actually hear a quick testimony from Lindsay on this uh, media fast that we're doing. So give it up for Lindsay Gore real quick. Let's go, Lindsay. So she, I'll let her share this 30-second version of how uh, doing one of these has been impactful for her. But just a little clarity of what we're talking about here. And um, we are, like I said last week, we're not anti-media. Literally, she's on staff doing our media for our church, okay? And so she's for this. She's actually probably the most excited in our staff about this, this fast. So we're, we're pro-media, but it's just so valuable for us to have moments in our life where we step back a little bit, reevaluate, and make sure that our priorities are in the right spot. And like I shared last week, the last uh, you know, year and a half, two years, there's been quite a bit of noise and voices and opinions all over um, our phones and the internet. And we just need to make sure that, we li- that the, the, the opinion we listen to most is the Lord's opinion. We have extra time praying, extra time in his word, extra time fellowshipping with uh, God's people. So anyways, practically, it's going to look like taking a break from social media, from TV, from movies, from all that whole world, news, even. Yes, I know the world will go on. If you don't know what's happening in the world, it will still go on and we will be okay, I promise. There was a day when you didn't have 24-7 access to your news app. You know, it's crazy. I lived in that age. I survived. And so anyways, just want us to know that we can do this. So let's, let's hear from Lindsay. How did it impact you doing one of these in the past? Yeah, so my sophomore year of college, I was feeling pretty convicted that I needed to like delete my social media or get off of it. Specifically Snapchat because I have really good streaks, you know. And I was like, come on, God, I'll, like, not get on it, but the streaks, you know? And then I disobeyed for a long time. And then my phone one day just stopped working. Like, somehow I woke up just in time to get ready and go to class, which was definitely God. But I didn't have a phone. And, it like, nothing worked. I had to, like, use maps and write down directions to go places for two weeks because I went to A&M, College Station. There's no Apple Store. It was this whole thing. Thank you. And um, so for two weeks, I d- could not get on anything. And it was actually the most refreshing two weeks of my life. By the time I was, like, getting a phone back, I was like, I don't even want it. Like, I don't even want this. I feel so free. My mind feels so clear. I felt like I was more focused. And I was specifically, like, less, like, judgmental and didn't compare myself. My insecurity decreased a lot. And it was really shocking to me how much better my life was without social media or, like, just the distraction of a phone. And so um, I did delete all of my social media after that. And since then, like, I still use it a little bit, but I take regular breaks from it because I can tell the difference in myself. Um, And one time I did another fast with some disciples that I had in college, and we did, like, all media, even secular music, like everything. And again, it was just like, my mind was clear. It was, it's kind of like normal fasting, like when you don't eat and you just have this like, feels like a clearer line of communication with God. And just myself, I just felt way better. And so as they were like, maybe we should do a media fast. I'm like, yes, let's do it, come on. And I even feel like getting to be the media director is like kind of a testimony of how God has taken this thing that was like, I was definitely addicted to it. And he like turned it and used it for his glory. And so 
It really can be used for a good thing, but it's really, really helpful to take a break from it. So I'm excited. Thanks, Lindsay. Good up for Lindsay. Awesome testimony. That's so cool. Love how your phone just stopped working in college. That was great. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, I um, encourage you guys to do it. Jump into it, especially if you feel fearful about it or resistant. I encourage you, overcome and just do it anyways. That could be the enemy trying to steal from, from you some good fruit that could come from doing something like this. So you can sign up and you can get a little free booklet as we go through it. Okay, let's jump into the message this morning. Uh, oh, sorry, I forgot to mention one more thing. Our college ministry, uh, right now, this weekend, they are doing a fall retreat. And so they're in Memphis, Tennessee right now, uh, gathering together, worshiping, doing a little bit of outreach and just uh, connecting together. So let's take like uh, 10 seconds and let's pray for them right now. So you guys just agree with me that they have a powerful weekend. So God, I thank you so much for our college ministry. Thank you for Jeremy. Thank you for Megan leading our college ministry. I pray that this weekend would be so powerful, so fruitful, so fun, refreshing. I pray our college students would come back with a fresh fire in their spirit and a commitment to you, Jesus, and a commitment to one another that is strong. And so, Lord, bless them in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Okay, so we're going to start part three of this series that we started a couple weeks ago called Therefore Go. It's taken from Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and I'm going to read that again. This is the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. It says this, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Everybody say, therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is commonly referred to as the Great Commission. This is referenced in all four of the Gospels in different ways, and also in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, talks about the power of the Holy Spirit coming on us so that we can be his witnesses. So this is a, a central theme in Scripture. And what I've been trying to connect for us is I want us to look at that great commission and I want us to think not I hope it happens one day but I want us to be a church that leans in and says no I'm going to participate I'm going to engage I want my life to reflect that I believe that this is a command that that matters to the Lord and, you know, we are here today. I've shared this multiple times throughout the series. We are literally here today because 12, well, technically 11 guys took that command seriously and said, yes, I will go. Yes, I will make disciples. It's making sense. The gospel has spread over these last 2,000 years because some guys committed to this. And we want to be a generation that doesn't just thank God that those 11 did it seriously, but we want to enter into the story, so to speak, that God's been writing, and we want to go and make disciples as well. And I've been contrasting these two different stories, so bear with me. There's a few people that I know weren't here for the first couple of weeks of the this, of this series, but I intentionally contrasted two, I would say, familiar stories. One is the more biblical story of what God's been doing over the last several thousand years, which is through his people saying, yes, the Great Commission, he's been inviting people into relationship with him all over the earth. And again, we are here today because of that. There's this amazing story, this purpose that God's given us, that we can be a part of that story by going and making disciples as well. But I've contrasted it with this other story um, that starts and ends. Uh, it's a form of the gospel that starts and ends with this. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And listen, does God love us? Does he like to bless us? And I would, you can tell me, answer it however you want. Does he have a wonderful plan for your life? I think yes. However, sometimes we define wonderful differently than God does. Here's how I generally define wonderful. Like a wonderful life. Okay, peaceful comfortable, easy. That is my wonderful life in my mind. 
but unfortunately, God sometimes defines it differently. Like the ultimate aim and goal of our life is not just how can my life be the most blessed and the most wonderful. I'm trying to help us see and consider what if we shifted and said instead of that being my primary focus, my primary focus is how can my life really clearly align with the Great Commission being fulfilled? How can I prioritize that more than just my life feeling good? And how can I say, I want to be a part of this amazing story that God's writing, and I want to impact it for the glory of God. And so I want to, I want to unapologetically want to be a church that fully engages here. Now, does it mean that we can't ever take breaks and take vacation? No, no. Enjoy life, but the purpose of our existence is not just trying to figure out how we can get the most blessed possible. Let's enjoy the blessings we have, but let's run in a different direction. Let's engage in a different story. How can my life be a part of helping see the Great Commission fulfilled? Now, as I talk about those stories, you might, okay, well, I think I want that. I know that's good, but how? How do I do it? We've been using this uh, simple three-word phrase that helps us engage with how, how can I, right now, today, engage with this great commission. And it's this little phrase that has a little slide, pray, give, and go. Everybody say, pray, give, go. So if you're wondering how can I engage, you can leave that up there for a while. How can I engage in this great commission? You can live a lifestyle of prayer. You can live a lifestyle of giving. You can live a lifestyle of going. Okay, and we are going to, this morning, we're going to focus in and dive a little bit deeper in that first part of pray, but I want to just remind us what we've been talking about. Last week, we did a, a different type of service. It was less of a, a teaching and a preaching, and it was more of like a training and equipping where we talked about how to share our faith, and then I made you turn to your neighbor and share your faith with him. Wasn't that just so uncomfortable? <laughs> For those, how many of you guys were here yet, last week? Anybody? Okay, several of you. Great. We talked about here's different ways we can share our faith, and we practiced it together. Did anybody try one of those things this week? Did you try to sow any seed and pray for anybody or talk to anybody about Jesus? Anybody? Okay, I see a few hands. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, thanks. Where'd it go? How'd it go? Did all of you get rejected or did it go good? Thumbs up. A few rejections. Awesome. Where'd it go, church? Listen, let's all do it this week. Literally, just, just try today for lunch. Um, uh, thanks for food. Can I pray for you? <laughs> do you know Jesus? Just try something. A fumbling little seed can go a long way. Uh, for God's glory. So let's try it. Let's be a people that share the gospel. Okay, so uh, in the first week, we talked about the heart behind us going. It's not just we're trying to get testimonies and we're trying to impress people with our spirituality or our evangelism. We want to have a heart of compassion and actually care for people. All right? So this week, let's talk about prayer. Let's do a little definition, okay? How would you guys define prayer? Just go ahead and shout it out to me. This is Thanksgiving. Give me some other definitions of prayer. Talking to God. A couple more. Cypress said something. Awesome. Here, here's my, my, here's a slide. My best definition, this is so profound. My best definition is talking with God. Everybody say talking with God. This is deep, y'all. I'm just seminary for this, guys. Prayer, talking with God. But let me pause because I want us to realize something. We should already be utterly amazed by what's on the screen right now. Not by the first four words. What's the last one? Our minds should be blown that we can talk with the living God. The God that spoke the world into existence with just a little word, a little breath, allows you to talk with him. 
and listen to him. I specifically say with instead of to because it's not just a one-way communication. It's talking with God. It's expressing things, but it's pausing and listening. We get to talk to God? Did you create the world? Did you you speak the world into existence? Have you ever walked outside when it's dark and looked at the stars? The God who created that allows you and I to talk with him. It's amazing. Here's why prayer is so powerful. It's because who we're talking to. It's not because of the eloquent words we can say or even how much we pray, how long we pray, or even how consistent. Prayer is powerful because the one we are talking with. God. Think about it this way. Every, almost every religion has a form of prayer. Why do we stress this in our faith? <laughs> because we're talking to the living God. Every other God is an idol. There's a song that some of you guys know. Every other God is an idol who cannot hear, cannot speak, something like that. We need to talk to a living God that sees, that hears. When he speaks, things happen. This is what just elevates prayer and talking with God to a place that I, I want it to feel for our church body is, oh my gosh, this is amazing because of the person we're talking to. Now, there's different types of prayer. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 lists a few, so bear with me here. You also get to capture a little bit of God's heart. So 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 4, Paul is encouraging the church. He says, hey, first of all, everybody actually say, everybody say first of all. So he is exhorting this church to take what he's about to say really seriously. He's like, I want you to prioritize this. First of all, top priority, here it is. I urge... That supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Would you keep that up there just a little bit longer? I'll talk about the first verse in a second, but look at that last thing. What is good and pleasing to the Lord? It's us interceding, it's us praying, it's us prioritizing this. And also, what's the heart of the Lord? Oh, this is amazing. We need to know this. Because when we have the Lord's heart and his character, and we're familiar with that, we, we, it'll motivate us to act in such a way that's pleasing to him. What does it say? He desires all people to be saved. Who is thankful that God desired that you would be saved? <laughs> I, am, I used to not be saved. And I'm so glad that this scripture was written before I was saved. God desired me to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth and praise God. I did, and you did, and this is amazing. This is so amazing. And I love how it gives you who to pray for, kings and all who are in high positions, and literally everyone. It's good and pleasing. And I would specifically comment, though, what's common in our generation and our day is, especially when it talks about kings and those that are in high positions, the Lord commands the people of God to pray and intercede and not to badmouth them, not to post things on social media that are negative about them. What he, what's pleasing to him is when we pray for them, when we seek the face of God for them. If they're evil, if they're just, if they're unjust, no matter what, like they, this is in the context of some pretty evil rulers, and Paul was saying, church, people of God, pray for them, intercede for them, because God wants them to be saved. Now let's look at that first part. It lists out a couple different types of prayer. It says supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. So in the context of different types of prayers, it gives you a few. The difference between supplications and prayers, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure, but supplications kind of refers to like a list of requests. Prayers could be a broad topic of maybe a specific prayers the early church prayed. 
intercessions. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Thanksgiving is a little bit self-explanatory, just thanking the Lord. But let me give you a, a couple different types of prayer other than those four listed there. And there's these prayers I like to call fellowship prayers, where you're just like enjoying fellowship with the Lord. There's times where I'm on a walk or I was riding my bike a couple weeks ago and I was just like, Lord, what's on your heart today? Lord, how, you know, how am I doing? You know, just fellowshipping and enjoying the presence of God. There's other prayers like declarations. This is when I get a little bit more like just fiery and passionate and start pacing and karate chopping in the spirit. Anyway, sometimes I just, Lord, I declare no weapon formed against me will prosper in Jesus' name. I do not have a spirit of fear. You know, like just declaring truth as a form of prayer. Another type of prayer uh, would be praying in the spirit. Another type of prayer would be listening prayer, where you're just asking God questions and listening to him. So there's a variety of different types of prayer, but specifically what I want to focus on, because it connects to our broader topic of therefore go and the Great Commission, is I want to focus on intercession. Okay, let's talk about intercession for a little bit. Everybody say intercession. Intercession. Okay, I know you use this word all the time in your normal life, right, intercession. But hopefully this week you will. Intercession. Here's a little definition of this. It's the action of intervening on behalf of another. The action of saying a prayer on behalf of another person, group, or entity. It comes from two Latin words, inter, which means between, and sedere, which means go. So to intercede means to go between. I want you to kind of picture this for a second. Intercede means to go between. What are we going between? In the context of interceding or praying for others, we are literally, get this, and I want you to picture it, and we'll see several examples in Scripture We are going between God Almighty and the destinies of men and women, the destinies of cities, the destinies of nations. We are going between, the people of God have this invitation to be intercessors, to go between God and his ultimate plan and will and the destinies of men and women. I want us to be people that that jump into that place. There's a lot to learn there. There's a lot of... The character of God that we learn there, because Jesus, being our great intercessor, obviously lived this out. But intercession is going between God and the destinies of people. Luke 19, 41 is a simple little example of, uh, I mean, Jesus on the cross is the best example of intercession, and he's praying there. But also, look at this, Luke 19, 41, I think I got it right. Um, He drew near to the city, Jerusalem. And he just literally looked at it, and he just wept over it. This is him coming before the Lord with emotion, weeping over an entire city because he wanted them to know the Lord so bad. I remember this week I had a meeting with a gal in our church. She's in kids' ministry today. But Bree, she was one of our ADS students from last year. And during the end of ADS, the students take a trip, and they went to the Middle East, and she was in this mall on this, like, third floor, and she was overlooking this area, and she was seeing people from so many different nations, so many different cultures, and literally, she just was brought to tears, just weeping, because she just knows that the Lord loves them all and wants uh, them to know him. Like, that is a form of intercession right there. And listen, if you don't naturally look at crowds of people and weep, you're normal, <laughs> okay? doesn't happen to all of us. Okay, just, just you're okay. But I would, I, would, I would suggest, like, man, I want my heart to be moved in such a way of, of love and compassion that I'm at least willing to care and see the needs that are out there and be one that would intercede and, care and, and pray and com- have compassion for those. We're going to look at another example in Numbers chapter 14. It'll be on the screen, but, uh, but let me pause for a second before we look at this Numbers uh, example, okay? 
So we're going to look at an example of Moses and how he interacted with the Lord in the context of a rebellious Israel people. But the question I want you asking, especially as we're talking about intercession, is do, and I'm asking myself this, do we believe that God actually responds to our prayers? Do we believe that our intercession, I were to say a few things on behalf of this people to God himself, does it actually matter? Or will God just do it his own thing anyways? I just want to say it's a legitimate question. Has anybody ever had that question? How does prayer work? <laughs> God's sovereign. He's all-knowing. How does this, anybody else besides me and Lindsay ever had that question? Okay, a few have. Great. So let's just, let's just look at this, and I'll make a few comments about, about that good question. Numbers 14. Again, context is... <laughs> The people of Israel in the wilderness, they are rebelling. They're like, why on earth are we out here in the desert? Come on, let's go back to Egypt. And the Lord does not like that response. He is displeased. And here is, he tells Moses, I'm going to destroy this people, but I'm going to be faithful to my promise, and I'm going to start a new people through you, Moses. This is, this is the conversation we're entering into, okay? And literally, you know the sin they committed? Complaining. The Lord almost destroyed a whole nation because they were complaining. It just makes me not want to complain. Anyways, let's move on. That's not the message for today. Numbers 14. Here is the response, starting in verse 17. It says, Moses praying, interceding. It says, now, please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children, the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Let me pause there. Moses is like pulling on the character of God. I know who you said you are. You're a, you're a faithful promise keeper. You're slow to anger. You're merciful. You're loving which this, learn, learn from this, like when we are praying, like we can, we can pull on the character of God as we're asking him for things. And Moses is saying, please have mercy on these people. Look at verse 20 though. The Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. According to this passage, why did the Lord pardon the people of Israel and not destroy them? According to this passage. Whose word is that? It's Moses' intercession. Now listen, I want us to just kind of be amazed at this example. Okay, We don't have to create a whole doctrine over just one example, but I just want us to notice that the Lord was going to do something. Moses stepped in and began to intercede, and the Lord said, I've pardoned this people because of your word. This is your prayers, Moses. So according to this example, my takeaway is, okay, my words to God matter on behalf of other people. So let's go back to that kind of doctrine, that philosophy, that theology of the sovereignty of God and free will and prayers and how does this work. Here here is a comment that has been helpful for me over the years because I've wrestled with this and I do want to be a man of prayer. Here's what I've wrestled with, or here's what I've concluded. The question or the answer to that question, how does prayer work in the context of God's sovereignty and his will that we believe and know that will happen anyways, how, why do we even pray? Here's what I've learned. The answer to that question is unclear in Scripture. But here's what's clear. God tells his people to pray a lot. 
So here's my suggestion. If a certain theology or philosophy causes you to disobey clear commands from Scripture, maybe there's something to question about it. (laughs) Now, there's another side of things where it's like this camp that almost believes that we have authority over God and he must do everything that we tell him to do. I think most of us would say that's probably not a great idea. (laughs) He's God. We humble ourselves before him and we submit. But he tells his people to pray. He tells his people to pray. And if that's what he says to do, then I want to do it. And I'm going to try to overcome my logic and my reasoning that makes me think it might not work to just, I'm going to obey your word. And you know what's so crazy? The more I've prayed, the more I've stepped into this place, which I'm still very much growing and been convicted as I prepared this message, is like I, I see more answers to prayer when I step into this place. I see more breakthrough in people around me when I step into this place of intercession. And so I feel like there's an invitation. Let's just be faithful to do what he said to do. And the question marks that we have, he will show us one day. (laughs) But it could be that he's using the prayers of his people to accomplish his will and his purposes in the earth. And in fact, I would suggest that he really is doing that. But let's keep going. Again, this question, does God actually answer prayer? Does it actually matter? Look at these sweet promises found in, in these other passages in the New Testament. Okay, Matthew 7. These are the words of Jesus. Okay, it says this. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Isn't that a sweet promise from the Lord? It's amazing. Let's look at another one. James 5. It's a short little verse here. James 5, 16. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Now, if you're wondering if you fit into that camp, am I righteous enough for my prayers? The answer is yes, because our righteousness is not found in ourselves; It's found in who? Jesus. The, 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 this communion we took this morning, this powerful reminder, our righteousness is found in the blood of Jesus. And so if you are covered in his blood, you fit into that passage right there. Now, let's look at one more in 1 John 5. I, I think probably this is my favorite verse to stand on when I begin to intercede, when I begin to pray for others says this, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Isn't that great news right there? If we're talking, we can, we can approach the Lord with confidence because we know that if we're asking things according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we can have the things that we've asked of him. Isn't that great? Now, this does beckon a few other questions. Leave that up there just a little bit. Okay, let's come and comment on unanswered prayer. This is a, an interesting question to ask in the midst of a, a preaching on prayer, but how many of you guys feel like you have had at least one prayer in your life go unanswered? Great. Aren't we just full of faith right now? Let's go. Let's pray. <laughs> okay. I just want to be real with you. So do I. And, and let me submit something else to you. Jesus, I believe Jesus had an unanswered prayer. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Before, the night before his crucifixion, he's coming before God and he says, Lord, would you let this cup pass from me? What he's asking is, Lord, would I please not have to go to the cross? But what happened? He went to the cross. Now, there's something in between. He says, but not my will, Lord, your will be done. So in the context of unanswered prayer, Jesus, I mean, just such an amazing example that goes before us. But my comment is, hey, you know what? Sometimes I would suggest to us that we miss God's perfect will when we're asking him for things. Sometimes we miss his will. But let me 
urge and exhort us, myself included, let's not let the one, two, three, or four unanswered prayers hinder us from continuing to enter into this place because our confidence is not in our track record of how many prayers have been answered. Our confidence is in what God said in his word, and he will be faithful. If we keep coming to him, we keep asking for clarity, Lord, what are the things according to your will that I can pray for? And we can believe in faith that he will do it. Now, let me share a couple of testimonies of answered prayer. And I'm going to start kind of more uh, personal, and then I will expand out and specifically connect it to this series of Therefore Go. Okay? So here's, and I would love for you, as I'm sharing these testimonies, be inspired, be encouraged, but think about it in your own life. What are some things God has done that, like, even if you asked him, like, one three-second prayer, do you know that that matters? <laughs> he hears you. He does your prayers, even your three-second kind of like, just, oh, Lord, please, like, he hears those things. But here's a couple encouraging things. So I would say an obvious one that uh, pertains to all of you is, I mean, this church is an answer to prayer, okay? This church exists and was birthed out of a place of prayer. When we moved here two years ago, or when the Lord began to speak to us about four and a half years ago, we prayed a lot. And at that time, I didn't know any of you, except for my wife <laughs> and a few people from College Station. I knew you guys, Okay. But here we are, a church body that's growing, that's healthy, that's young, but it's healthy, it's growing, multiplying, it's amazing. Like, this is evidence of gospel. Here's a specific example. We moved here to plant a church without a worship leader. Some would say that's a bad idea, <laughs> especially if you want to do church services. In fact, we didn't have a, sing- we didn't have a worship team at all. I, don't, I mean, we brought about 15 people from College Station, Texas, and none of us can play an instrument. <laughs> few of us can go on the guitar, you know, a little bit, but, but you don't want us up there. Anyways, we prayed for the Lord to provide, and he did. I mean, in less than a month of um, moving here, we met Victor and some of his family, and it just been a tremendous blessing to our church body and just such a direct answer to prayer. Isn't that amazing? It's just God provided. I think of financial provision he gave us in the early, early years when we were like, we didn't have any money to buy sound equipment. Okay, and so we pray, God, I mean, we want to do services. We feel like you called us to do that. And so, God, we're going to need finances and we're going to need resources. We begin to pray. Our launch team at the time, about 40-ish people, were like praying and trying to give. And, and uh, we were, Lord, do, do like something amazing. Do a miracle. and Provide more than we need. And uh, as we're in the middle of that season of really praying, I get a call from the U.S. director of uh, Antioch uh, Church Planning. And he says, hey, I got this random connection with another church in Denver, Colorado, that loves to support and bless new church plants, you might want to look into their little program. So I call, and I go through this intense interview. Somehow I got accepted, which was great. And part of the deal was you would just go for a week-long intensive training, and they would give you two grants, both worth $40,000, to start your church. I was like... That's awesome. So we received in that six-month time frame $80,000 that came out of nowhere because we prayed and asked the Lord. I believe there's direct correlation to that. Isn't that amazing? And we have this sound equipment because of it. Isn't that cool? Amen. A couple other things. Uh, my experience, uh, I was a, before moving here, I was a college pastor ministering to a lot of students at Texas A&M University in College Station. And I was also a student there in 2006, and I, I came into college believing and praying for revival. I had a lot of zeal, a lot of fire, a lot of passion, and about this much wisdom. 
Anyways, uh, thankfully I didn't meet Beth to my junior year where I had like, you know, this much wisdom. Anyways, uh, and I was, I had this vision, this passion to see revival on that campus. And so I would pray and I would have, uh, do prayer meetings at about 7 a.m. a couple times a week on campus. And you know how many people showed up to those? Sometimes me and Jesus. <laughs> but I prayed. And then there's a girl named Maria. Oh, Maria. She's amazing. She's a prayer warrior. I don't know where she is right now, but she's probably still interceding. Anyways, and, you know, just sometimes there'd be 10 people that showed up. Sometimes, you know, randomly there'd be 30. That'd be crazy. But that was like the majority of the time was me in the middle of a campus praying for God to move and to sweep across this campus with revival and passion for Jesus and hunger for the Lord. And I was trying to find anybody that would believe in prayer. And it was hard the first few years. Now, let me fast forward uh, 13 years later, the year that we left. Here's what was happening with one local church in College Station, there was 50 to 100 passionate, fiery, zealous college students interceding at 6.30 a.m. every week on Tuesdays. That's a change <laughs> from just one local church. And I just, I, in, in my process of just like, Lord, what was that season? I just, I remember his faithfulness to answer prayer and to stir hunger when we believe and cry out for something. Now, listen, these, um, I got a couple more things. Let me share one more because these are just encouraging, and I want it to boost your faith for whatever you are praying and believing for. Um, after graduating college, um, I had some school debt to pay off, and I think it was about a year or so after um, college. Um, we had, Beth and I had worked hard. We both were working. We were both teachers, and we would uh, try to live off of just one of our paychecks, and then the other one, we would tithe it, but then the rest would go to paying off our debt. And we had got it down to, I think, about, <clears throat> sorry, $13,000 or so, which was great. Or was it more or less? Do you know? You don't know. Um, and I was praying and believing. We, at that time, we had, Beth had stopped working because we just had our oldest son, Josiah. And so it was down just to my salary, which teacher's salary um, sometimes is great. But in where we were teaching was not too high. And anyways, I started praying and believing, Lord, I pray that in one year, miraculously, we would be able to pay off the rest of our debt, our school loan debt. Within one year, Lord, and I started praying that fairly consistently. A month later, I'm at my uh, parents' house, and I'm talking to them about different things. And, and they were asking me, it was around October probably, and they were asking me what I wanted for Christmas. And I already decided from my prayer, my passion to get our debt paid off, I was going to tell everybody in the world, don't spend money on Christmas presents for me. Just, just give me money to pay off my student loans. That's what I want for Christmas. Don't buy me anything else. Please. I know you will, but don't. Please. Anyways. And so my mom just kind of like had an interesting face. And she's like, oh, interesting. And then I think then maybe the next day, <clears throat> my mom and dad came to me and said, hey, Mitchell, so about a month ago, we decided that we're going to pay off the rest of your debt, $13,000, about a month ago, when I, when I started praying. So the Lord didn't do it in a year. He did it in one month. Isn't that so cool? I'm so thankful for his provision and his faithfulness there. And that's direct, directly related to this place of prayer. But let me, let me zoom out a little bit because these personal things are really encouraging for me and hopefully are encouraging for you and give you faith for whatever specific thing you need but I want us to, I want to redirect us a little bit more outward as we talk about intercession. Because here's the deal. Naturally, you will pray for your own needs. Like, okay, because you, you know them very well. You're well acquainted with your needs. 
Okay, if you are struggling with anxiety, you know that you're struggling with anxiety and you want it to go away, and rightfully so, you should ask God to take it away. Okay, if you have pain in your body, your back hurts, you, rightfully you feel that, and you should ask the Lord to, to heal you, rightfully so, okay? If you're struggling with financial needs and they're right before you, not quite sure how you're going to pay your bills, like, you should pray for your own needs, but we, may, we mostly don't need encouragement to focus on our needs. What I want us to do is, without neglecting our needs, let, I'm going to just redirect our focus to look at a few other needs and make sure we're praying for those as well. Okay, here's, here's one. There are a lot of people in your neighborhood, in your apartment, in your workplace, all over Northwest Arkansas that don't have a relationship with Jesus. That is a huge need. Because apart from Jesus, we will die and spend eternity apart from him in a place called hell. And that should break our heart. And let alone that, the eternal consequences, life on earth apart from Jesus is very broken and hopeless. And that should move us to a place of prayer and intercession for those around us. Let me also zoom out as well into something even bigger, especially in the context of this series. There are not just people here that don't know Jesus. There are people all over the world, entire ethnicities, ethnic groups, that have never heard the gospel. This message that brought us all here together, we get to freely sing and worship, and rightfully so. We should not feel bad about that at all. But there are literally entire like, races or ethnic groups of people that have never even had a chance to hear clearly this message of Jesus. I would submit to you that that is a need. That is a big, big need. Let me, let me show you a couple of things. I'm going to show you a map of what's commonly referred to as unreached people groups all over the earth. There's different ministries like the Joshua Project, where we get this from or a ministry called Finishing the Task, that are committed to seeing these dots go away. So you, where, where do you see the most red dots, which means the most unreached people groups? Where do you see them? <laughs> India, right? And then there's a lot in, uh, there's this phrase some of us will know, it's called the 1040 window. It's the, I don't know if it's latitude or longitude, I always get those mixed up. Which one, latitude? Uh, yes? Anyways, these t- uh, the 10 degrees and 40 degrees between there is the most unreached people groups, the most closed off nations to the gospel. And let me share this incredible testimony. In the 1990s, there's actually a slide that will show this. In the 1990s, there was a movement of prayer that was commonly called the largest unified prayer effort. And it was for 31 days, 21 million believers gathered, they prayed, they fasted, and they each prayed for these closed nations that had a lot of unreached people groups in that 1040 window. Look what has happened since the 90s. Look at that graph. That's an increase of movements, and by movements, I believe they define that as four generations of believers. Here's what I mean by generations. It's like someone gives their life to Jesus, and they share with their family, and they start a little house church. That's one generation. Then they share with a few others, and another house church is usually their house churches. Some places, they have a little bit more of a corporate gathering like us, and then that goes to another generation of another house church, and then that That second house church does the same thing and plants another one. And then that third one, it's not just the first one doing all the planting. It's that third one that's also moving. That's how many movements. We don't have numbers on the left side. I don't know unless you can tell me otherwise. But um, there's another chart that has, do you think you could find it real quick, that has the churches planted? It's in the millions of new churches that have been planted in this 1040 window since this initiative to pray. Isn't that encouraging? 
I would say it's not just coincidence, but there's something that the Holy Spirit is breathing across the earth in the body of Christ to begin really to take seriously this call to intercession, to prayer for the unreached people groups all over the earth to have a chance to know Jesus. And the Lord's answering. Isn't this so encouraging? He's answering. I mean, there's more people in the Middle East. One of the, one of the evangelism strategies that I've heard from missions organizations, even those that are pretty conservative in regards to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they, they can't deny the effective evangelism strategies that are working. And it's this. They would, they would walk. Oh, that one. Yes. A little blurry, but there we go. Uh, thank you for finding that. Um, so an increase in churches from 95, almost at zero. is probably a little bit, but those, are, uh, those numbers on the left get up to the millions just in a few years, a little over 25 years. Isn't that encouraging? It's amazing. But the evangelism strategies... Um, one of which, and especially in the Middle East and the Muslim culture, is one of the things that um, people will ask as they're talking with somebody. They'll say, hey, have you had any dreams lately? And one, the stats say this so far, one out of every four people will say, yes, I've had a dream of this man in white that kept coming to me and saying he has the words of life. Can you tell me who that man is? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And then many people will look at Revelation chapter 1, read this description of Jesus with eyes as a flame of fire, his hair white as wool, and like person after person says, that's the man. That's the man I saw. That's the man in my dream. Who is he? Isn't that awesome? And, and it's just, it's script. I mean, it's scripture. It's prophecy being fulfilled. Acts chapter 2, which is an excerpt from Joel chapter 2, says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. And I will give dreams and visions to old men, young men. It's just, this is real. This is awesome. And we get to step into it. As uh, believers in 2021, to really see this continue to grow. But here's how I want to wrap it up. This hopefully will spur you. This will encourage you. I want us to be a church that prays for your own needs, yes, but we also pray for needs in our own region and city. We pray for our nation. We pray for what God's doing around the world. But here's the kind of the question that I believe the Lord asked a few times in Scripture is, <clears throat> like, who will pray? And another phrase, of the, another version of that question is, if we don't take this seriously, who will? And here's the simple answer. The world, the lost, will not intercede. The church is the only, is the only option, the people of God. Here's this little excerpt from Isaiah 59. The Lord says, he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Now, this is a prophecy of Jesus coming, so that's the context, but something I take from this is that the Lord is looking for those to intercede. And I want you to, I'm going to bring it home a little bit. Okay, think of your family, okay? Think of your coworkers, think of your neighbors, okay? Think of anybody you know in your life that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. <clears throat> Here's the sober reality that should motivate us, not make us feel weird or shamed. It should motivate us. <clears throat> You might be, and I would say in some cases, most likely are the only person that will pray for that person's salvation. Who else in your workplace has a vision and a passion for, for prayer and salvation of others other than you? Who else in your neighborhood has this vision for the whole neighborhood to be reached with the gospel and life groups to be happening in every single home? And worship? Probably mainly you. In my family, it's like I've got a few people in my family that are believers, but in regards to actually contending for some of my family members' salvation, most likely I'm going to be the only one contending for that. Is this making sense? And so let's use that as an invitation. It's like, I don't, I don't want to miss this opportunity. 
And who else will pray for God's kingdom come as will to be done in Northwest Arkansas as it is in heaven other than the people of God, the church? And here's an even more convicting question. How often do I do that? How often do I pray? And listen, we are a praying church. I like make you pray often <laughs> at church services. I'm like, we're going to pray now. And you're like, oh, well, okay, I can leave or I'll pray. And you pray. And we're going to do that in just a few minutes. And so if we're a praying church, we do days of prayer and fasting once a month, I feel convicted. I want to I enter into this more. So how much more do we need to continue to see this spread all over the body of Christ in this region? All right? So we're going to be a people that pray. All right? So let's do this. The band's going to go ahead and come on up. And we're going to close out with praying for a few different things, and then we will go. Okay, so here's what we're going to do is this. There's a slide that has a couple topics. You can actually put this slide up there that has all four of them. It'd be great. So here's four categories that we're going to be praying for in just a second. And I want you to, especially that first category, be thinking of specific names of people. So family, coworkers, neighbors. Okay, and then uh, we're going to pray for this region, Northwest Arkansas, then we're going to pray for our nation, then we're going to pray for unreached nations all over the earth. And even if this is just us praying for, you know, five minutes or less, I just want us to believe these scriptures that we just looked at, like the Lord, he's serious about this. When we ask him for these things, he listens and he responds. And we are praying according to his will that people will come to know him. All right? Y'all ready? Y'all ready to do this? Okay, I want you to take uh, first about 15 seconds, and I want you to either write down or type down on your phone, or just mentally think of two or three names that fit that top category, and we are about to start praying. So go ahead and do that. I'm going to do the same as well. Let's, uh, we're literally just going to start praying for them right now. Here's a simple thing that I pray, and I'll probably, you'll hear me, so you can steal my prayers if you want to, but you can also pray your own. It's simply, Lord, would you touch their hearts? Lord, would you convict them of sin? Lord, would you show them their need for you? As much mercy as you've had on me, God, would you have mercy on them? All right? And I want you to say their names to the Lord. You might be the only person that says this person's name to God. So say their name to God. You ready? Don't you do it out, out loud. Even if you need to whisper or you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. But just do it out loud. It helps you in your own heart engage with what you're praying when you do it out loud. All right? Ready, set, go. Start praying for these people by name. Lord, touch them. Even today, Lord, I pray your spirit would fall on them. Open eyes.
right now we're going to pray for North Coast Arkansas. Way to go. You're working this muscle. This is great. This is awesome. Let's pray right now for our region. The way we're going to do that is go ahead and get into a group of like three people or so. So turn to a few folks that are next to you. And we're just going to get into a group of three. And I want you to take turns. Just simple 10-second prayers. Even if praying is uncomfortable, here's, here's a way to pray. You say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in Northwest Arkansas as it is in heaven. Simple 10 second prayers take turns. If there's something specifically you want to cry out for for this region, go for it. But go ahead and get into a group of about three people. Take turns, decide who's praying first, and then go ahead and start. Just take turns praying, and I'll call somebody up to close us out in just a second. shift gears now and start praying for our nation. Pray for America. Pray for a move of God in our nation. Pray for our nation's leaders. Pray for a spirit of division and strife and anger to be removed from our nation. Why don't you pray for our nation? Stay in your group and keep praying.
all walls down Spirit break out Heaven come down Thank you, Lord. Lord, pour out your spirit in America Awaken this nation again to know you, Jesus we humble ourselves before you and acknowledge you are God. We pray for a shift. We pray for revival in America in the name of Jesus. All right, here's how we're going to close it out. Let's pray for unreached nations. You saw that map earlier. In fact, uh, if you could put that map back up there, Lindsay, you can pray for uh, northern India. You can pray for anybody in, the, in the, any place in the 1040 window. You can pray for any other nation you know of that just needs people to hear and believe and receive the gospel. All right, let's pray. Just pick one of those nations, pick one of those regions, pick one of those areas, stay in your group and start praying and we'll close it out. Go for it. is fulfilled. God, we pray that you would send out laborers into the harvest all over the earth. We specifically cry out right now for India. God, would you shake that nation? Would you reveal your son to that nation? Would you show up in visions and dreams and the power of your spirit would come to those in that nation, Lord? We pray for the Middle East. Lord, would you awaken hearts to know you, Jesus, the Messiah. We pray that you would be worshipped, you would be known. And that, Father, we as your people, as your church, will be willing to pray, willing to give, willing to go. The hardest places, the most unreached places, Lord, let us take part in what you're doing in the earth in this generation. And Lord, we thank you that through our few seconds, few minutes of praying and asking you for this, it matters. It matters. We're just adding more prayers. You said in Revelation 4, there's this bowl of incense that's filled with the prayers of the people of God. We're just adding to those prayers this morning. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you that our prayers to you matter. Lord, would you mark us as a people that pray, a people that intercede, a people that stand in the gap between you and between the destinies of men and women and nations all over the earth, Lord. We say yes to this place, and I pray that we would leave here believing 
that our prayers and our words to you matter. Thank you for being a faithful God. Thank you that you can allow us to pray and allow us to talk with you. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you imparted to us this morning. We receive it and continue to grow us in this place. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, 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 amen. How was that, church? You did it. You interceded for lots of things. And that wasn't too hard, was it? It's actually kind of fun. Yeah, you felt it in your spirit. Like, wow, I'm actually doing something really purposeful. Let's go. Hey, let's be a people that pray. Be a people that keep doing this. You can do it in your own times with God. You can join us on Tuesday. And uh, we can do this together as we meet. But thanks for receiving the word. Let's be a people of prayer this week. Amen. We are officially done. Give somebody next to you a high five and say, thanks for praying with me. Remember, if you're a guest, stop by the Connect booth. We'd love to say what's up to you. Thank you guys for coming. We love you.